What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 172 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday evening. It's about to be July in about 39 minutes on the East Coast, and joining me to commemorate the uh, the turn of the month. No, I'm kidding. To talk about the Atlanta Braves, as always, is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? Yeah, as far as uh, as far as June goes, the Braves were, I believe, the best team in baseball, and, and obviously been playing really well lately. So it was it was a good month for the team. And and as we kind of hit the second half of the year, which is crazy to think we're already in the second half, when it feels like just yesterday we were doing the season preview podcasts. Uh, things are are pretty good. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, obviously we're recording this late Sunday night, um, mid NBA free agency. So my brain is a. Uh, Kind of fried, but um, just the logistics here. And, of course, the Braves lost earlier tonight in sort of frustrating fashion. But even with that said, the Braves are the second-best team in the National League right now, um, fairly comfortably, at 50-35. And, And, um, you know, they're six and a half games behind the Dodgers, who have been ridiculously good. But other than that, they're in fantastic shape. And, you know, we've been referencing this this point in time for quite some time now. But, you know, on May 10th in the morning, they were 8-12. and Sorry, 18 and 20, if I can read my notes right. 18 and 20 on the morning of May 10th. And since then, they are 32 and 15, uh, you know, which is obviously a scalding pace. They're, they went 6 and 4 on this road trip, even with the loss tonight. And uh, they have a 5.5 game lead over Philly and a 7 game lead over Washington. So, pretty darn impressive stuff, um, mm. all things considered. And we'll touch on a lot of that as we get going here. But um, I guess first things first, um, the, the I guess the national news of the day was the MLB All-Star announcement, and that's one of the reasons why we waited to record this late instead of earlier in the day, because of the fact that All-Star was being announced at like 5.30 Eastern. Um, really no surprises on the agenda here for the Braves, which, you know, I guess is probably the way it should have gone in most, uh, I guess, unbiased way. Ronald Cunha and Freddie Freeman are starting. That's not a big surprise. Those guys are awesome. Uh, and But no one... And I mean, no one is on the reserve list for the Braves um, in terms of position players. Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Josh Donaldson were all like considered pseudo candidates. None of those guys made the cut. And then Mike Soroka got the only pitching nod for the Braves, who was, I think he was kind of a no-doubter. He, he actually entered today number two in ERA in the National League. So if he hadn't got in, it would have been controversial. But um, I mean, I don't think there's anything surprising, but any thoughts on the uh, all-star stuff? And do you care about all-star? I found myself not caring very much, but I know it's worth covering because it's still sort of a big event that people care about. Yeah, you know, not not too crazy of a surprise. Uh, you know, Ozzy, Dansby, Donson, they've all been pretty good. I, I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue too much that they should have been all-stars. And it's a pretty deep field. I think the National League has a significantly better roster than the American League just looking through it right now. Um, but no, I mean, you, you talk about having Freddie and, and Ronald as starters. You hope it's it's back to back for Freddie, and no reason to think he won't continue to be in that conversation. And, and I almost think uh, Acuna's brilliance at 21 is being overlooked just because the expectations were so high. I mean, he's going to hit a six war season as a 21 year old, which is just phenomenal. Uh, and then you mentioned Soroka, yet another kid who's who's 21. Uh, has been so good all year. It's hard to imagine the Braves being where they're at if if he isn't as good as he's been this year. So um, good all around. I think uh, Ronald Acuna being in the home run derby, which is uh, you know exciting. Uh, that that adds some excitement, gives you a reason to care a little bit more. And of course, whenever the Braves are are up in the you know hitting or pitching in the All Star game, it kind of perks my interest a little bit more. But historically, I, I haven't been a huge fan of the game. I, you know, I'll watch it, but I don't have too strong of an opinion on it one way or the other. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. You know, I, I'm looking forward to Ronnie in the Home Run Derby. That was a, a welcome 
maybe not a huge surprise, but a welcome announcement that I wasn't necessarily expecting just to see him him out there and getting some national shine. And, uh, you know, he could win it. It's not impossible because he's very, uh, very powerful. So we'll see how that goes. You know, Freddie is just there every year now. You know, it's his fourth appearance. He's back-to-back starts for Freddie. That's it's good to see for him getting some national recognition. And, you know, that's happening, uh, I guess, a week from now. We'll be heading into the All-Star break. Uh, and we'll talk more about that then. I guess well, somebody will be on, the, on this podcast. Um, but yeah, it's uh, kind of want to. We still want to get that out of the way to start things, and uh, we can move on from there to actual Braves stuff. Um, it's kind of hilarious timing, but I wanted to spend some time on the bullpen. Um, I tweeted some numbers earlier on Sunday that got a lot of attention about how great the, Bulls, the Braves bullpen has been, and obviously they were not good tonight, which kind of makes this funny. But most all the numbers that I pulled were, were going into the game tonight because we were at one point we, we were going to record earlier today, and that we ended up holding it. But um, you know, obviously <laughs> Sean Newcomb and AJ Minter combined to give up five runs in the eighth to lose the game. So I understand that before everybody yells at me about these numbers that uh, obviously it did not go well tonight, but. Before then, the Braves have been awesome in the bullpen for quite some time. Uh, since the uh, run began on May 10th, they were leading Major League Baseball heading into today in bullpen ERA and almost by a, almost by a half run. It was 3.12 ERA over you know the month and a half, almost two months of time, and that is uh, obviously staggeringly good. To be fair, they were only seventh in bullpen WAR on FanGraphs, which means they're probably getting a little bit lucky. There's some peripheral stuff in play, but still. They've been really good, and now for the season coming into today, they were fourth in bullpen ERA. Um, amu- amusingly, they are 22nd in re- in reliever uh, F WAR and fourth in ERA, which is a giant split, and that's uh, kind of like inconceivably big because they uh, are, they they basically have a lot of walks throughout the season and probably been a little bit lucky, but you know just individually stuff as well. You know, three guys uh, have sub one ERAs for the Braves. In the bullpen over the last two months, that's uh, Jacob Webb, um, Swarzak, who's actually on the DL now, which I guess IL now, which is unfortunate, and then Sean Newcomb before tonight, and that that number is now gone for Sean Newcomb. But um, you know, all that to say, the bullpen's awesome. The, bull- the bullpen's been awesome for quite some time, and even with today out of the way here, the fact that that was a legitimate strength of the team for a month and a half, based on where we were, you know, two months ago, is kind of staggering. And I'm not ready to say that they're going to be great moving forward, but getting this you know seven week span out of the bullpen uh, was helpful and unexpected yeah absolutely <clears throat> excuse me absolutely um, and you're right it's just unfortunate timing tonight I mean Newcomb he left that 0-2 pitch over the the plate to, to Todd Frazier and then uh, the Jeff McNeil ball wasn't even hit that well I mean people if you, if you saw it he just kind of popped it up in the air and Marcakis couldn't get to it um, but you're right the bullpen's been good um, really, it's the first time in at least a couple of weeks where you, you think back on games that the Braves have lost, and honestly, they haven't lost a whole bunch lately, but it's one of the few games where you look back and go, yeah, that one was on the bullpen, whereas early in April and May, it seemed like pretty regularly the you know, they get a good enough starting pitching performance and they the lineup would score enough runs, but the bullpen would just completely implode. It seemed like we were having those once or twice every week early on, whereas lately, uh, it, it's been pretty rare, so... Uh, you mentioned everybody in there has, has been good. I think there's room for improvement. Obviously, just about every contender is going to be looking for bullpen help over the next month or so as we near the trade deadline. But again, it's it. the good thing about needing to improve your bullpen is it's generally the easiest area to improve at the trade deadline. Uh, teams that aren't contending have no real reason to hang on to their relievers, especially if they're uh, not controlled for a super long amount of time. So frustrating tonight. It, it was a, a tough way to end a 10 game road trip. Ended it at six and four overall, which is pretty good when you consider the, the competition they played. But um, it has been a strength for the team lately, and hopefully they keep building off of it. And even Freddie Freeman after the game said tonight 
uh, when he was talking to the media, you know, these things are going to happen. The bullpen's going to have a bad night, and it's just one game, and you have to move on and, and get back home for uh, the final six games before the break. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting looking for, you know, for all of the noise about, like, Luke Jackson in particular, who has great numbers. He was unavailable tonight. Like, his his peripherals look incredible. His ERA, even with all of the people yelling about how bad he's been, quote-unquote, even his ERA, even if you were to ignore all the peripherals, his ERA has been 3.00 since May 10th. Like, that's very good. It's not a problem at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, Swarzak's being gone now, but even Chad Sabaka looked good tonight. So it's like, it's a situation where... It's not a situation. It's not a spot where I'm okay with the bullpen. Like I'm not just comfortable. Like you know, leave it alone. This is all gonna be fine. But it's not. It doesn't appear to be the glaring weakness that it, that it used to be. Um, I would still invest in it. But in sort of something of a transition here, starting pitching is the bigger concern at this moment, which is kind of crazy to say based on where we were again two three months ago. But uh, starting pitching has been a problem um, for a while now, with the exception of Mike Soroka. It's not been good. You know, even Julio Tehran had that nice stretch, but the last couple of starts he's been shaky. And the starting pitching, even with the team sort of rattling off this incredible run, was below average when compared to the rest of Major League Baseball and ERA and WAR and all that stuff. So, I mean, I think both units still need help. If you're being honest about World Series aspirations, but starting pitching is the bigger problem. We haven't talked about this. You and I haven't, at least. How are you feeling about this rotation? Because you know, there are positives and negatives. Max Freed has been okay the last couple times out, but aside from Mike Soroka, there's not a lot to be excited about right now. No, there's not. And it's interesting. I think Dallas Keuchel, you haven't really, or at least I haven't really had too much of a chance to talk about him since, uh, since they signed him a couple weeks back, but I think Keuchel will be fine. The results haven't been great so far, but he's been pretty good in the first couple innings. And then has gotten teams have gotten to him a little bit in the fourth, fifth and sixth. And I think that's just a product of him, continuing to get in the ro- the rhythm and flow you have to keep in mind that he's made two starts whereas most of these hitters already have oh three or four hundred plate appearances under their belts already so i think he'll be fine mike fultonevich uh sounded like he had a good night too with gwinnett on saturday uh, went seven and two-thirds struck out eight um only gave up two runs and i think three hits altogether so that's encouraging i think i think fulty is going to be a bit of a wild card in the second half of the season. And even even Kevin Gosman too, though, it sounds like he isn't super close to returning. Um, I, I think, obviously, the Braves are in better shape if one of those two guys become what they were hoping they would be. And, and if I was a betting man, I would certainly say that's more likely with Fulty than Gosman. Um, they need one of those two guys to really step up because, as everyone knows, Soroka's been good, but he's never he's never done a full season in the majors. And I worry a little bit that he he kind of hits a brick wall late as he you know approaches 180, 190 innings. Uh, Max Freed, as you said, has been up and down a little bit. Uh, Julio Tehran, I don't want to say it was all smoke and mirrors, but his peripherals are really really bad. Uh, I know he was good for five or six starts there, but. Um, even when he was pitching well in those those starts, they weren't super clean, and, and he had to dodge out of trouble a good amount. So uh, the, the rotation is a bit of a, a concern right now. It's not terrible, and I think you can certainly do worse. Um, but again, with with it being a month until you have until the trade deadline, uh, I, I do think the Braves are going to be evaluating the market as they always do, and, and seeing how Fultonevich does, uh, see how Gosman does if, if he's recovered from whatever ailment he was dealing with. Uh, and see if those guys internally can give you something. Because so far this year, it's been a pretty big disappointment for the likes of of Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright. Uh, those were two guys who, obviously, they were hoping for, uh, hoping they'd be a little bit better than they have been, but they have not been great to this point. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at the situation with the rotation and just the numbers, you know, obviously Mike Soroka has been tremendous this season. A 2.13 ERA kind of speaks for itself, and he's probably not going to keep that up necessarily, but a situation where you can kind of assume that he's going to be good. He's been good every time he's pitched, basically, for his entire Major League career, <laughs> like he said, it's a couple of uh, a couple of starts where he's not been like electric, awesome. But Soroka really has not been bad at any point in the majors, so he's a good pitcher. Uh, everywhere else, though, there's some concerns because you know Max Freed has been okay, but he you know early on he was lights out. Now he's now settled in with I believe an ERA about four ish. I'm trying to uh, try to find the update on one after today. Um, his ERA for the season, as my computer loads here in great podcast audio, his ERA <laughs> for the season is 4.04, which is fine. That's not a problem in a rotation with uh, peripherals that are actually better than that, a 3.78 FIP for Freed. But um, if he has to be your number two, that's not great. Um, if he's your number three or four, that's fine. If Dallas Keuchel steps up or whatever's happening, and if obviously Freed has more upside than that, considering where he looked, how he looked early in the season, and the talent in his arm. But you know, now that things have stabilized over the course of 17 starts, he has a four ERA, and that's okay, but not um, electric by any means. So you have that. You have those two guys. You have, as you mentioned before, Julio Tehran's um, peripherals are not good. A 3.99 ERA, which is actually better than Max Freed for the season, which I would have lost money on. Um, but a 4.70 FIP and a 5.30 XFIP. Julio's still walking Ooh. almost five guys per nine, which is just untenable. Like, he can't do that. Um, so maybe he finds it again, but that's not great. Um, Kevin Gossman, north of six, as we've talked about numerous times. Um, Fulte's ERA is 6.37, so... Yeah, I mean, not not a lot going. I mean, you, you assume that Keuchel's going to be solid because he's just always been solid, but you still need more than three. Uh, so you, even if you're okay and feeling all right with Soroka, Freed, and Keuchel, you need a couple guys that can throw some innings for you. And uh, right now, even if you are a believer in Julio more than I think we are, um, you still need another uh, arm or two. So it's just a situation where I, I think that is now number 1 on the on the priority wish list in terms of acquisitions at least for me do you agree with that and uh, like how yeah. how I mean, you do agree so how urgent is it i mean the, the deadline's still a month away or so but do they need to get an impact arm or is it just an an arm that can function you know what i mean like the gap yeah. between like getting a mid rotation arm versus getting a high rotation arm may not sound huge but in a playoff series you know that can matter a lot because they kind of have a couple of potential fourth fifth starter types on this team but nobody else that can really jump into that high zone um with any frequency at least until full t shows something yeah and you know to answer your question in kind of two parts i think the good news for the braves is they do have realistically four weeks to kind of figure out where they stand if if Fulty has two or three more really good starts in the minors then you can bring him back up maybe he's your your frontline addition because you know, as frustrating as it's been to watch Mike this year, I mean, it's easy to forget just how good he was last year. And I know he wasn't great in the playoffs, and, and he obviously missed the first month this year and, and was so bad they sent him down to the minors. But uh, Fulte can be a, a, a dynamic number two starter if if he's going right. So you hope there. Um, again, I don't think anyone's holding their breath with Kevin Gosman because he was just so bad over those four starts before getting the kind of the mercy, uh, mercy injury designation because they had no other choice. Um, but you, maybe you get something from him, maybe you get something from Fulte. But to answer your question, sure. I mean, anytime you can add a frontline starter, I, I think you have to do it. You have to evaluate uh, how much better it makes your team. Uh, if you're talking about a scenario where uh, you, 
you have you're in a playoff series and, and if you're in the NLCS let's say they win and you you realistically need four starting pitchers well are you going to feel confident with with four guys in the organization right now to start you a playoff game no probably not and we say that not knowing how Dallas Keuchel is going to do as he continues to settle in and, and the aforementioned Fulton Evich and Gosman um I am also not entirely sure there's going to be that frontline starting pitcher out there in the next month. Um, maybe Trevor Bauer if the Indians fall off, but at this point, I think they probably think they can get to a wild card spot, or maybe they're thinking the Twins are going to cool down. Um, you know, Mass and Bumgarner, we've talked about him many times on this. He he's just not the same dominant ace that carried the Giants in the playoffs those couple years when they won the World Series. Uh, you know, Marcus Stroman is a common name uh, that comes up a lot, and he's he's good. I, I don't think he's in that ace or even number two level, but I think he's a good number three starter um, who who would help the Braves. Don't get me wrong, but you talk about guys who can truly change, who you know makes two starts in a short playoff series, guys who can single handedly win you a playoff series with two dominant starts. I'm just not sure somebody like that is going to be out there over the next month. But we'll see. I mean, the good news is for the Braves, they're 50 and 35 and they've, they haven't really gotten much of anything out of their starting rotation, which is a testament to the rest of the team. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to see where everything goes over the next few weeks. I think the all-star break will be a good chance for the Braves to really kind of sit down and evaluate where they're at and where they can improve and, and then obviously make a push in the second half of the year. Yeah. And that's probably enough where we can leave that um, for now. I do want to take a quick second to hear from our sponsors and then we'll come right back with more on the Atlanta Braves. All right, Scott, um, let's move on to something interesting that was definitely in the news this week. Uh, it was a little bit earlier in the week, so not quite as hot uh, now as it would have been Tuesday or Wednesday. But Brian Snicker gave a very interesting quote to Dave O'Brien of The Athletic about uh, rest. We talked about that quite a bit on this podcast. I know the guys at 755 Battery Avenue spent like a whole podcast on this theme this week earlier on. But um Snicker was basically, you know, kind of grilled by DOB to his credit about um, the fact that they just have not utilized their depth this year in the way that we kind of thought they were going to, particularly with Johan Camargo, but just in general, guys playing, basically playing the same eight guys, or at least the same seven plus catcher almost every day of the of the season <laughs> to this point. Um, so I'm going to read the, I'm going to read the full quote to everybody. If you haven't seen this before, I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, I'm going to read it out. I'm going to read it out now, then we'll react to it. So here's Brian Snicker talking to Dave O'Brien, and I quote, I know we talked about it, we just not built like that for me, and we have. I've given Nick two or three days. You're not going to get a total day off here. The starting pitchers got to go eight innings. We have to score like ten runs to stay away from the guys, so they're going to get in a game at some point, even when you don't start them. I like putting those guys out there. We don't have platoon options and anything like that. These guys, they're programmed to play. I think the second half might be a little bit different where we look at that, but knock on wood, as long as they stay healthy, they're going to be out there. End quote. Um, just for context here, immediately following that quote, he started giving guys rest, which is kind of hysterical, and uh, it kind of produced um, some conspiracy theory options about maybe that Anthopolis maybe waved him into the uh, general manager's office um, after that quote because... Oh, he for sure did. The, I think so too. But the rest of the week, Johan Camargo started four times. Um, 
and three out of four days right after the comments. Um, he may not have started today, to be fair, because Ozzy Albies uh, got banged up a little bit on Saturday, and that's might, might have been why, 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 why they gave him the day off. But Marquecas um, sat twice this week. Camargo was out there, and I think that was not a coincidence. So sounds like um, you were on board with that. But what, what was your reaction to this when it happened, and uh, how has it changed at all in the four or five days since then, given that he has been much more willing, apparently at least, in the small sample size to give some guys some rest? You know, it's funny. I think about a week ago, I, I tweeted out or, or uh, made a comment about why, just how baffling their use of Johan Camargo had been. And this was pre uh, all of this happening with Snit, but it, it was just weird. I mean, that was their whole thing. They had Josh Johnson to make Camargo this super utility guy that he's capable of playing, and he came off such a good year last year. And and, and we didn't know this time uh, in the spring, but Matt Joyce has been really good. Charlie Culberson's been really good. So the fact that Snit made that comment that we're just not built to give guys rest was really baffling to me. And I, I like I said, I, I don't think it's any coincidence at all that as soon as he said that, all of a sudden, Johan Camargo is playing, uh, <laughs> played the rest of the week. Um, it's a long season, and there's nothing against players. I'm sure every player on this roster wants to play 162 games, but it is such a long year. You're going to need guys fresh. And, and you, me, and the rest of the fan base sat there last August and September, and you could see it was a young team that had hit a wall. Uh, they had enough of a lead built, and the Phillies falling off certainly helped too. But you could just see that by the time the playoffs came around, this team was gassed, and there's nothing wrong with that. This team wasn't expected to be competing a year ago, and they ended up doing it anyway. Um, but this year's different. I mean, right now they are clearly the second best team in the National League. Uh, they're, they're still a step behind the Dodgers, though everybody is. Um, but you look around the rest of the National League, the Cubs have issues, the Brewers have issues, the Rockies have issues, uh, the Phillies obviously have some things they're going through right now, the Nationals are, are still trying to play catch-up, so there's really no reason, especially when you have this big of a division lead, that you can't give Nick Markakis a day off against lefties, that you can't give Ozzy and Dansby and Donaldson a day off here and there. Even Freddie Freeman and Ron Cunha, as great as they are, you know, you give them a day to clear their head, get their bodies right, it's, it's really not going to kill you. If all of a sudden you need him in the seventh or eighth inning to play a couple innings, you do it. So um, I thought it was a weird comment from him. I'm glad, uh, maybe it is a coincidence, but I'm glad that somebody in the front office more than likely kind of got in his ear and reminded him, hey, you know, it's a long year. We have another 80 games to go. Um, and I hope it, it continues to keep these guys fresh so we don't have a repeat of last year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of what you said there. I think it's just really... It was really odd. We, we discussed it a few times on the show. We discussed the theory of Camargo before the season started and how it made plenty of sense to just model what the Dodgers have done and what the Cubs have done in recent years and just kind of use them all over the place and give them a lot of starts and give them a lot of plate appearances and it just didn't happen. Uh, part of that, I think, was that Camargo struggled early in the season, but he also wasn't given a whole lot of runway to get going. Um, and I think, you know, in general, I'm probably been lower on Camargo than some um, previously, but he should just be playing more. And it's not a situation where you have guys you just can't move. Like, for instance, and I know we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be accused of picking on Marquecas on this podcast after I say this, but Marquecas has a 46 WRC plus against left-handed pitching this season. It, it's very, very, very easy to just make the switch to, say, Marquecas starts more often than not. But when you're facing a left-handed pitcher, why is Camargo not out there? Camargo has always hit left-handed pitching. You know, this year he's been struggling a little bit overall. But in terms of his career splits, they are sharply 
towards the fact that he's better against left-handed pitching. So just that's a very, very easy switch. And if it's not Camargo, also Culberson is the same thing. Culberson is a better hitter against left-handed pitching than Marquecas is. Um, and you get the addition of Marquecas needing rest because he's an older guy, and we've seen now a few different times that when he's actually gotten rest, he's come back and been a little bit better right after coming off rest. And I go, I guess that's a small sample size too. But you know, it's just that easy sometimes. Or, and obviously beyond that, you can still use Camargo to give other guys get days off, like Josh Donaldson, who is an older guy, obviously. Or if you need to give Austin Riley a day, which they did earlier earlier this uh, week, and Dansby Swanson got a day earlier this week. This isn't that hard. I think the primary spot that you need to rotate is right field because Marquez just hasn't been that good, and he's older, and you know it's a very natural platoon spit thing right now. But it doesn't always have to be that too. They can use the depth they have more. You know, Matt Joyce has been great this year, for instance, hitting against right-handed pitching. You could use him every once in a while if you wanted to do that. Like they they have the ability to get creative and that was one of the first we had early on in the season was that they they sort of built this more modern roster and they don't have a modern manager in that way um in terms of just tactically you know i'm not going to turn this into a snicker debate necessarily but it's one of those things where you have to use the depth and you know this week is a very easy example just look look at the roster look at the lineup construction from all the games this week and how the little changes have happened and it's just one week of a sample size, but without a without really an injury until Albies, I guess on Saturday maybe, they were just creative and shifting guys around and getting guys starts that weren't getting in before, and it worked out. So, the the quote was jarring because I think they are built. The big the big thing that everybody lashed onto, I think rightfully so, was the we're just not built like that part of the quote. And I'm thinking, yes, you are. <laughs> and also, if you're if you're if you're guy, yeah. if you're a guy on this bench, like you can't be very happy with that quote. I can't imagine like, you know, so maybe it's changed now. We'll see. It's a five day sample of it being better. Um, but the combination of the quote and the response was uh, at the very least quite interesting. I guess that's by the best way I can leave it for now, just to not give too much more of my uh, conjecture, but I- I'm entitled to believe you and believe many who have said this before we have on this podcast that it felt like Snicker was encouraged to change his stance after he gave that quote because it just yeah. that was the this is the this is the most all season long that they have changed up the lineup and it was right after. Well, and and again, you know, we touched on it a few minutes ago, but this team has a what five and a half game lead in the division right now and a seven game lead on Washington. I mean, if sure, if if you're playing the Phillies in the final week of September and you're up, you have a one game lead. Of course, you're going to play all your guys, right? That's not what people are questioning it's whenever you have this chance in the year when you have the opportunity to rest some guys you know why not do it why not give them a, a night off to clear their head it's a long year it's the middle of summer it's hot their bodies are taking a beating um it, it seems to be pretty straightforward to you i and most people but um again i know that's kind of snit's mo he's a he's a player's manager he likes to to play his veterans and that's fine i mean he he's you know he's he's a, the manager for a reason but um, as you said, not to bang on it too much, but it was just a weird quote, and, and hopefully uh, they're able to, to rest the guys a little bit more as we continue on. Yep, and we can leave that there for now, but I wanted to at least touch on it. You know, we didn't do uh, two hours like the guys at 755 did, which I really enjoyed, by the way. It was funny. Um, but um, yeah, here we are. That's plenty on that topic. You know, the rest of the week, we don't we didn't really go go deep on this week necessarily. I don't want to go through like the blow by blow, but you know, it was another positive week. They split with the Cubs. They took two out of three over the weekend. That's uh, a pretty solid result. There was some interesting stuff with um, you know, with some with some defensive issues between there was a Marcakis Acuna borderline not, not not collision on Thursday in the loss, but uh there was uh, some blame to be had apparently. There were uh, there was some 
I, what I, when I interpret as blame for Ronald Acuna, which I thought was jarringly silly on Thursday when a ball hit Marquecas in the glove and they blamed Acuna for it. That was that was strange. And then there was another one tonight. Um, there, I'm just trying to pick out stuff that's like interesting to talk about because you know it was the typical stuff of a week. You know they had a good offensive game here and there. They had a couple of bad defensive games. They had a nine seven loss on Thursday. But you know at the end of the day, it was kind of a run of the mill week and they ended up going four and three. Um, there was a lot of things that happened, but it's not really worth nothing that I wanted to dig in on specifically. I mean, Dallas Keuchel not looking great was probably one thing that we wanted to mention. We, I think we sort of touched on that earlier though. So did anything, did anything stri- strike you this week as particularly interesting, like on the field? Because for me, it was more of a big picture step back and sort of take stock kind of week, but they still played seven games. So maybe there's something interesting to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you want to spend twenty minutes talking about how weird Wilson Contreras was on Monday night? Oh that God, was that was that was this week. Bizarre. It feels like it was a month ago, but yeah, that actually that happened that Wednesday. That happened Monday. That was a uh, pretty. That we should talk about that for weird. a second, I guess. That was weird. Yeah, I mean, just so full disclosure, Monday night I was traveling for work and I I was catching highlights on my phone and watched an inning here and there when I was uh, sitting in the back of an Uber, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just such a weird, I mean, you know, that it, a guy is in the wrong, which Contreras was when his own teammates were like, th- like Jason Hayward just grabbed him and kind of threw him towards the dugout. Cause even he was like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like it's June 25th and you just hit a solo Homer in a one, nothing game. Relax. Um, it was so and, weird. And he was mad that Tyler flowers was framing pitches. Well, I mean, that that's literally the catcher's job is to frame pitches for strikes he and also said catcher, he, he, would, so he would fight his own brother. By the way, he said he said it wouldn't matter if it was his own brother who's in the Braves, who's in the Braves organization. He said he would fight him too, which I thought was hysterical. That was it was the most weird. Like sometimes you know, benches clearance. Like okay, I get it, um, but that was the most bizarre, unnecessary uh, reaction of maybe all year of, of or in multiple years I've ever seen that that incited a. I mean, I know the benches didn't fully clear. It was more of like kind of a scuffle along the third base line, but. Um, that was super weird. So I guess that was worth mentioning. Yeah, that's sorry. Actually, I should apologize. I felt like that that was like two weeks ago and it was not, um, a lot's happened in my life since Monday, but, uh, that was, uh, probably the biggest on field thing that happened now that you mention it in terms of just like notoriety nationally at at a bare minimum, that got a lot of stories Monday, Tuesday, um, even just outside of Atlanta and outside of Braves country. I mean, other than that, you know, I thought, we should, I don't know. The fact that Swarzak has been so good and now is on the IL. We, we talked about this earlier, but I feel like I want to mention that again. He had a, I believe it was a 0.52 ERA mm. um, for like six, for like six weeks, which is ridiculous. And that kind of came out of nowhere because we talked about when they, when they acquired him, but he was like pretty bad for like what, two years, like for a while he kind of fell yeah. apart. He used, he used to be really good and then he wasn't. And now he's suddenly really good again. So that's worth pointing out because I, I, I'm looking at my notes right now. And I feel like it's like Swarzak, really good. Swarzak, really good. Next game, Swarzak, really good again. Um, huh. Which is yeah. uh, just kind of funny to just staring at my notes to see him all over the place and now being unavailable for a while. But other than that, I mean, Camargo getting hot is good. Other than I don't really have like takes yeah, no, on this was, week, which was, is weird. It's funny, you know. It's they go on this ten game road trip, and obviously it extended a little bit more in the past week. But ten game road trip, they go six and four, which yep. you know you say you're playing three against the Nationals when you're going to face one of the games is against Strasburg, and uh, you go two and one against the Nats, and then you 
play the Cubs for four games in Wrigley, and all the games are pretty weird and pretty close. But uh, you go two and two on the road against the Cubs, and and I think they uh, they close out the year being they have at least the advantage over the Cubs. So if something gets weird at the end of the year and they tie as the number two seed, the Braves get home field advantage, which I guess could be a good thing if that scenario plays out. Um, but yeah, and then, and then they go into New York and they beat Degrom and they. Uh, kind of win a weird game on on Saturday with the lengthy rain delay, and then obviously the game tonight gets away from him a little bit. But all in all, yeah, it was it was kind of a a non-eventful week, if you will. They go six and four, and I think that's the sign of a good team. I mean, when a team goes six and four, and you go, yeah, that was kind of expected. Um, it, it's a sign that despite the issues with the rotation, the bullpen, even the lineup has cooled down a little bit from from when it was obviously pounding teams two three weeks ago. Um, it's, it's mostly good and, and there's just not too much to pick at or discuss. And again, I think that's a sign of a team that's, that's really hitting their stride and, and playing well. That's a good point. I, I think you, I'm, I'm glad you made it just because of the fact that it's, it is a really good sign that a stretch like this can be seen as just sort of boring and on brand, you know, aside from Monday's, um, hysterics, but even, even the loss today, like it was a frustrating loss, but when you're as hot as they've been for this long, you know, hopefully, I would hope that fans are not ready to jump off, jump off buildings based on a, based on one bullpen implosion on a Sunday night. Granted, it was a national TV game, more more attention, etc. But you know, it's going to happen. They still won the series against an arch rival, and that's totally fine. Um, I want to look ahead a little bit because they have six games now this week before the All Star break. It's three three with Philly starting on Tuesday. They have Monday off, which is uh, I guess helpful um, for uh, sort of just to. Re- refocus and get ready to go again for the, these last six before the All-Star break, but three against Philly at home and then three against Miami at home. Uh, you can't ask for a more favorable situation than ending with Miami at home because that's uh, about as good as it gets on paper anyway, but I mean, I think at a minimum you have to, if you're this team, you have to expect to go four and two in these six yeah. in the six game stretch. That's just kind of the way things are, um, and then you get into the All-Star break and then things get weird because you get, what, three or four days off, but uh, maybe four and two seems reasonable? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you can go five and one, all the better. Even, I mean, you you would aim for a little bit better than three and three when you have three games coming against the uh, the Marlins. But um, yeah, you know, finish strong and and like you said, it'll be nice. I would imagine they're going to fly home tonight and then have all Monday off, which is good. They they've had so few off days over the last two months or so after seemingly having like two a week in the month of April. So uh, yeah, it's good to get some time off and. Um, it looks like it's going to be Keuchel, Bryce Wilson, and Soroka against the Phillies, which isn't too bad. And then I would presume they finish out with Tehran, Freed, and then Keuchel again uh, against Miami. So they, they seem to shake off a little bit of whatever was ailing them at SunTrust in their last homestand, uh, the way they played so well. And being five and a half up on, on the Phillies, if you can go into the break with a six or seven game lead, uh, that'd be really big. So. Uh, finish strong and take advantage. Like we talked about time and time again this year, you have to take advantage of your opportunities against the Marlins, which uh, is finally the the Phillies finally beat the Marlins today. They were something like 0-5 or 0-6 in their last however many games against Miami, and they finally won. Uh, they finally won one today. So, you know, you joke, oh, yeah, you got to beat the Marlins, but it's, it's you know, it's baseball. It's weird. Things are going to happen. It's not a guaranteed win. So, um, got to take take care of business at home. Hopefully, win two out of three, or if not, sweep both series and, and go into the break with some momentum. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, and we should say this: like, you know, if, if they went three and three over these last six, 
it would be viewed as a disappointment and probably rightly so, but it's also not a terrible result. It's, it's baseball. Um, if you lose a series to Philly, if you go one and two against Philly and, and then go two and one against the Marlins, that, that, that's a pretty normal baseball result. Like no one should panic. It's totally fine. Um, but you know, you know how this works. If, if they come out and lose on Tuesday after a day off and get a loss on Sunday, people will be uh, upset again, which is just how things work. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, five and a half game lead in the, in the division heading into July. You can't really ask for more than that. Uh, I, and we're now past the halfway point with 85 games played, you know, only 77 to go. So, you know, to be in this position, it's probably a good way to leave this for now on this podcast, but to be in that position is uh, pretty darn impressive based on where they were. And again, you know, 18 and 20 on the, on the morning of May 10th to 50 and 35 at the end of June is jarring and impressive. And uh, everyone should be in a good mood despite the loss on Sunday. Based on the <laughs> fact that the Braves are playing very well. Yeah. 18 and 20. Uh, my first game seeing the Braves. So I saw them at Friday, Saturday and Sunday in Arizona and they swept all three. So, I mean, I don't want to take all the credit, but, I, I'm pretty sure I'm the reason the Braves have turned it around. You are singularly responsible for the performance of the Braves, <laughs> and I appreciate that, Scott. Oh, uh, one programming note here before we get out of here on this fine Sunday evening, and we're almost into Monday morning now on the East Coast. I'm trying to stretch it out that far. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's coming, though. I am traveling next weekend. I will be in Las Vegas for the NBA Summer League and all that comes with it. So probably know me on next po- on the next week's podcast. Uh, our plan, hopefully, if this happens, will be to have a Brad-free podcast, but still have a podcast one week from now. In addition to Road to Atlanta, which is always going to be there. And by the way, if you missed it this week, another good Road to Atlanta podcast. Go check that out on the same feed as this pod. But uh, hopefully, Scott or Eric or some combination of everybody else besides me will be here next Sunday or somewhere around next Sunday. But just as a program note i will probably not be there unless there's some sort of crazy trade if the braves trade for marcus stroman on like saturday i'll probably be here in some emergency <laughs> fashion but um barring some sort of maneuver slash transaction i will probably have a week off from the podcast and by off i mean very busy and unable to record but um scott will probably be here or somebody will be or eric or you know just stay tuned subscribe to the podcast as well as say about that that's right. Much deserved. You can go out, have some fun in Vegas, and and you're working still, but have some fun out there. I will be working cool. quite it's a bit. Funny. In fact, we're recording this during NBA free agency. I've been working during the podcast. I have edited stuff. I have written stuff. There was another crazy trade. If you're a basketball fan, you would know that today's been absolutely bananas from start to finish. And uh, I'm glad we got this podcast in, Scott, because I was a little bit worried about it a minute ago, and then I got to finish it while you were talking. So, (laughs) Yeah, no, we we make it work as always. There you go. Uh, Well, thank you, sir, for joining me as always. Please follow Scott on the Twitter machine at ScottColin55. You can follow me if you can deal with Braves and Hawks stuff mostly. Um, but uh, hopefully you can do that if you uh, care to at BT Roll and follow the site at Talking Chop on Twitter. Scott, you got anything coming uh, writing-wise the next couple of days, or are we just uh, no. normal standard procedure here? Yeah, normal standard procedure. Maybe if something, you know, if we get some news of some kind. But no, it's been my, my uh, personal life has been pretty busy the last couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to hopefully just kind of laying low and enjoying the 4th of July. So happy early 4th to everybody, and uh, but no, it should be, unless something pops up, should be a pretty quiet week. At least you got home from Boston. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm For exhausted. I was following just... Scott on Twitter. Uh, Scott was uh, not happy with Southwest Airlines, I felt like, at one point. No, was, uh, not there was, there was a lot going on there. It was good. Enjoy. Yeah. No, no, I enjoyed I, it from I afar. Like... I didn't enjoy it for you, but it was uh, it was funny, too, because I, I, we, we've all been there, so it was like, oh, man, it's God. I, I've been there, buddy. It's okay. Just yeah, roughly 24 hours straight in three different airports was what my Thursday Oof. and Friday ended up being. Yeah. 
not ideal. Uh, well, yeah. hopefully things will get better in some ways. They're better. I'm home. And all's good. <laughs> well, good. Uh, all right. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this show. Stay tuned. Road to Atlanta will be back in a couple of days, and we'll be here next week, etc. So uh, subscribe. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>